0: as we get ready to uh, to pray um if you did not get a handout handout number five we're going to give you a, just a second here uh to get raise your hand up and the ushers will get it to you but uh we're going to go ahead and launch off into our time of prayer well you are praying men today aren't you i think so yes sir
1: <laughs> thanks uh, kid. heavenly
0: father we are so grateful to be once again in your house uh father you're your mercy and grace overflows on us in this place and in every day. And Father, this morning I pray, this morning that You'd overflow on Brother Steve, um, God, and use him in a mighty way to preach Your Word to us, God, that we might hear, have uh, ears to hear and eyes to see You, God, that we would be forever changed. You and You alone, mm-hmm. Father, are our only hope. And when we put our faith and trust to you. And we ask, oh God, that you send your spirit to dwell in us today and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. So if you would be so kind to raise your hand if you did not get a handout that says number five on it. And if we have some supply up here on the front row. If we have a couple of ushers to grab those and, and pass them out, just keep your hand up. There's some up on top as well. Now, as that's getting uh, passed out, everyone needs one. If you can read and write, we want you to have one in your hand uh, as we work through today's uh, message. Some might ask, why would we do something like this on a Sunday morning? This is not traditional that we would take time to, to do an equipping such as this. And I would just be honest with you that if, if I had a a discipleship class of, of uh, practical training for witnessing, we would get about 5% of the church to be part of that class. We could do a revival and we do it Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. But as with every revival, that number diminishes throughout the week. And what we end up doing is is, uh, training about 40% of the church. Doing it on Sunday mornings for seven weeks, 90% of the church will be trained. Why is it important to be trained practically in sharing the gospel, to share our faith with others? And just to put perspective on this... This is the only reason why we're here. I know we have lives. I know we have jobs. I know we have responsibilities. We have all those things that keeps us busy. But Jesus said... Go and make disciples of all nations. Acts 1.8, when the power of the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. I'm convinced that if we weren't left here to be his witnesses, he would have just taken us home when we came to know him as our Lord and Savior. But we've been left here in his church. If you remember this from the first week, people who know Jesus tell people who don't know Jesus how to know Jesus. So wherever you are, whatever the circumstances you're going through, that fits. And we want to show you that practically of how that fits this morning. Just a quick recap on what we've looked at so far. Four weeks we've gone through this. Week number one, the the primary question is, why aren't we more motivated to do what we know that we need to do? And we we talked through some things. Primarily, you and I have forgotten the demise of those people who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we looked at scripture where Jesus talked about hell as being a real place that those who do not know Jesus will stay there for eternity. And so that puts a little, um, I guess, urgency in our hearts to know the people that we love that don't know Jesus have a terrible demise. second week we defined what a witness was. A witness is not someone who repeats what they've heard in church or by a Sunday school teacher or a preacher. Uh, They're not someone who repeats something that they read. But a witness, just as in the court of law, is someone who has experienced and knows the information. So we are called to be witnesses to that which we've experienced and that which we know. We looked at Paul's life And as he stood in court, he testified. He gave witness of his life. He said, this is my life before I met Christ. This is how I met Christ. And here's my life since I met Christ. Collectively, we began looking at that model because that's one of the easiest conversational models to share your faith. And that is, here's who I am as a person. Here's where I grew up as a person. Here's how I met Jesus. Here's the change in my life, and here's how life is going since that time. Pretty simple, conversational. Week number three, we spent time in service with our handouts, writing out our stories. If you remember, that was it was a long service because we spent five minutes on each section, listening to music, writing it out. And being prepared to leave this place, making a commitment to share our story with at least two people that week. And then last week, we talked about overcoming our fears. Because obviously, when you're doing something you haven't done, and even if you're experienced, there are times that you have fears. And you rationalize and excuse your way out of not being obedient. So we addressed seven ways to overcome your fears. And made a commitment to share Our story with at least two people this week. So let me just ask, and and this is kind of off the cuff a little bit of those who shared, perhaps someone who has never really talked in church before. Here's all I'm asking for. Here's where I was. Here's how I got started. And here's how it went. That's like a 10 second testimony. So, anyone can make it through 10 seconds. But is there someone that would be willing to share with us this morning? I got to share my story this week. Here's what happened. Here's where I was. And here's how I got into it. Is there anyone here? I know there's people here. Is there anyone willing to share?
2: <laughs> Come on now. I'm
0: trying not to look at your eyes. Real briefly, that's all we need. I'll come to you. Thank you, Daryl. I'll come over to you. Is this your girlfriend beside you? <laughs> Daryl's still in trouble. All right <laughs> now, what do you want? I've done Okay, here's all I'm looking for is where were you, how did you get started in just telling your story, and then how did it go?
2: That's all we need. Okay, all I had to do was say that I invited somebody to tell me their story. Okay. And I said, you don't have to be afraid talking to me, because I'm not afraid talking to you. And uh, I said, uh, I was very impressed with how you did yours, so I thought I was a pretty good guy. I was a good guy. I thought, uh-huh. kind of like Lot, mm-hmm. I was a good guy. But then I realized I wasn't. Had a lot of trash in my life, and then I had people that I knew were good people, and then it started eating at my insides. Wow! Yeah. And then when it started eating at my inside, I wasn't happy. Wasn't satisfied, so I kept going to church and wanted something better. And then from that, I went to gripping the pew (laughs) and expecting somebody to come and drag me to the front. And I got scared Mm. at that. And then from that, I went to how hard can that be? And then you hear people saying, we're not. Looking at you to make fun of you, we're looking to pray, praying for you to go to the front. Mm -hmm. And from that, I went to the front and gave my life to the Lord, and I felt I didn't hear any bells, and I didn't, birds singing or anything, (laughs) but I felt so much better. It felt like a, a big weight was lifted off me, and since then, I have messed up, I've fallen away and come back but in the last year i have been the happiest in the lord that i have ever been in my life amen and i'm still going up
0: amen amen so when you told your story where were you was it on the phone or is it here at the church or i'm
2: not outside in the foyer
0: all right so yeah right here so we're not making it complicated are we no all right thank you Daryl. give him a hand You know, it's easy to talk about something that you're excited about. And it's good that we've taken time to prepare ourselves, that we have taken time to write out our story, because listen, if you're just dependent on your memory can you tell me what you had breakfast or lunch last week? I mean, when we think, "Oh, I'll never forget that." Well, we want to prepare so that we don't stumble. But the fact is, after reading through my testimony that I wrote a couple of weeks ago, it takes around eight minutes to read it. Just if I had it in front of me and I read it and I didn't ad-lib anything. The the truth is we won't always have eight minutes, will we? Sometimes you'll have it for one minute on an elevator. Sometimes you'll have it for, for two minutes standing in line at Walmart. Sometimes you might have three minutes between innings at a a ball game or between quarters. So what do we do? Well, mine's eight minutes long. I don't have time to share it all. Maybe next time. That's what we want to talk about today. If you want to open up your your outline to page two, you'll see it says developing know-how, what do we say, part three. And it says honing your personal story that word hone means to sharpen or perfect this is where we we take all that we wrote and we bring it down think of it this way bullet points summary fashion because you don't know how long you're going to have but but if you have just a short amount of time what do you want to say we don't want to to back off of saying oh they look so busy I I probably shouldn't interrupt their lives. We, We want to be prepared no matter what that we can share the good news. Why do we do this? The more familiar we are with our story, the more we practice speaking our story out loud, the more likely we will be to share our story as we go through life. So look at your uh, number one, my life before I met Jesus. There's going to be something glares at you right now. There's not a whole page. There's only five lines. That means you take all that you wrote before or or all that you would talk to someone about your life and you condense it. Now remember, not everyone will, will connect with your life. Not everyone was born in West Virginia like me. Not everyone went into the army out of West Virginia like me. Not everyone did that. But if I can share some emotions that I had during that time before I met Jesus, people connect with emotions. So let me read mine, and then you're going to have time to write yours. I grew up in West Virginia in a loving home with my mother, my father, and my sister. I was not a good student or athlete. I had low self-esteem. I was insecure. And I wanted to be accepted by other people. So I would hang around with the kids I wanted to be like, and I wanted to be accepted by them. I acted the way they acted. I talked the way they talked. I treated other people the way they treated other people. And even though I was in a loving home and I was pretending to be something I was not, I realized there was something still missing. 45 seconds, I told you my life before I met Jesus. Not a whole lot of detail, but you hear and there there's some emotions that's attached to what I was going through as a young child. So we're going to give you not five minutes this morning, we're going to give you two minutes to write some bullet points Summary fashion of your life before Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to just start our music. You have two minutes. Okay, you may not be completely finished, but you should have a good idea of where you're headed with this. Look at number two, how I came to accept Jesus in my life. Now, you still want to be specific here. Give enough detail that uh, makes it real. Where were you? Were you at church? Were you at home? Were you driving down the road? Who were you with? Were you by yourself with parents? Were you with a a pastor or a youth minister or friend? Now, as much as we can give detail, and you may not have great detail of that time, understanding that, that there are probably some people in here that were saved at a very young age. And it's hard to share what was going on in your life at six years old or seven years old. That's tough. One way to to address that is I I did come to the point of knowing that I needed Jesus in my life at that young age. But it wasn't until later where where I fully understood what it meant to be saved by Jesus. And you can just relate that into a different part of your life and be able to share from there. The critical point here is the gospel. This is where the gospel is inserted. You see if you don't have the gospel inserted into your story, you're just telling a story. You're telling the story of your life, which may or may not be interesting. It might be adventurous. It might be boring, but it is nothing unless it has the gospel. So include enough of the gospel that someone could be saved by hearing it. Why would we do that? Well, we have a couple of passages to look at. First Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read this out loud. Now, I would remind you, read with me, of the gospel I preach to you, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day. the The gospel is simple. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried three days later. He was raised again. This is the component that separates us from every other religion in the world. Our Savior is alive, and we celebrate that, and that is the key component here. So I want to read mine, and then you're going to have two minutes to fill out yours. After my parents started going to church, our youth group, or I joined our youth group, and my youth minister's name was Jerry Losh. He meant a lot to me. And through his teaching, I learned about the death of Jesus Christ, that he died for everything that I thought or did that was against God. And I was 14 years old, so I knew there was a lot. But after he died, they buried him, and three days later, he was raised from the dead to prove that it was all true. I came to understand that the missing piece in my life was spiritual. So I came to Jesus Christ, and I trusted him and his work of salvation for me. I trusted him for my eternity and made him the boss of my life. Why do we include the gospel? Because the gospel is the power of salvation. I cannot convince you. I cannot twist your arm. I cannot be clever enough. But the gospel is the power for salvation. So we include the gospel. Take two minutes and complete your number two. Again, you may not be finished completely, but you should have a good direction as to what you would put in that area. Number three, my life since Jesus came in. Now, this is the point that we would share the initial change that we encountered. Because when you take the God of the universe and you place him in a broken vessel like you and me, something's going to change. So we begin with, here is the change... And then you just be honest and go back to life. You know, life's not been perfect. I'm not perfect. Still had struggles. And then brag on God, how he's walked you through. Talk a little bit about your life and and how it's uh, gone over the years. Let me read mine. And then you'll have two minutes to write yours out. So this is following how I came to know Jesus. When I laid my head down at night, I had peace. I was right with God. I no longer had to pretend because he accepted me as I am. God healed me of my fear and insecurity. Soon thereafter, I joined the army and I served in the military for six years. After desert storm, I moved to Daytona Beach, Florida. And I went to University of Central Florida pursuing a business degree. I met my wife-to-be, Julie, fell in love We were married and we moved from Florida to North Carolina to Alabama to Arizona to Alabama. We had three children along the way. My oldest lives in Foley. He was married last year. My daughter lives in Coleman. She works at Regions Bank. And my youngest son, Caleb, is going to school at University of Alabama because they gave the most money. Just in case you all needed to hear that they're the ones who gave the scholarship but life has not always been easy for us we've made bad decisions and we've had sicknesses and and my mother-in-law passed uh, due to cancer and that was a difficult time for us as a family we prayed and we hoped and we we would hope for the next drug that it would be um, that it would work Um, the surgery we pray that it would eliminate cancer but In the end, the cancer took her, and she fought with grace. But even in the midst of the difficulties, I don't know how I could have done that without God walking us through. And he was faithful in doing that. That's my life since. Now, you take two minutes and write your your life since. What's the first change? And then talk about your life a little bit. know you might not be completely done. I need a volunteer, listen, to read only what you've written. No ad-libbing. This is just your framework that you're beginning with right now, but to share your short version of your story. Who would be willing to do that with us this morning? Wow, we had two people fighting for position here. That's awesome.
1: I was raised in church as a young child by two Christian parents. I thought I was fine.
0: When I was nine years old on a Saturday night drying my hair, studying my Sunday
1: school lesson, I realized if I died I would not be with Jesus in heaven. I asked Jesus into my heart, and he came in my heart and saved me. Now if I die, I will be with Jesus forever. At nine, I knew Jesus, but didn't
0: really know him as Master and Lord until I was in my 20s. I married a God-fearing man, Dan, but we could not have children. And now both
1: my parents have passed. But Jesus is and always will be there for me and with me through everything.
0: Amen. Give her a hand. That's awesome. Good (laughs) job. Miss Jenny, I'm going to give you a chance to...
1: Now that you want just the just Jesus came into my heart.
0: just whatever you've written there, oh, yes. all of that it'll take all of a minute and a half.
1: Okay. Like Kim, blessed all my life to be raised by Christian parents in a church. Every time the doors open, something was missing. Something was not there. I had a need at the age of nine. Always with me. He, at the age of nine, I asked Jesus to live in my heart. He has always been with me, the good times and the dark times. Always there when I reach out. I have to reach out. During the the revival at church, I I felt lost. I didn't know why. I didn't understand why. Then I asked Jesus to to save me. He filled me with love and joy and his promise that he would never leave me. And my that's my hope, my my assurance today. My life since Jesus came into my life have felt total assurance that he would be with me through the good times and the bad. And there are always changes that occur in life. And he's always been there with us through the good and through the bad. All for the good with Jesus who guides me.
0: Amen. Give Miss Jenny a hand as well. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your stories. I know it's not easy to stand up in front of everyone doing that. um, But we are getting in the practice of sharing. Now, I gave you an out two weeks ago. And this is the out. Hey, we're doing this thing at church. And I made a commitment to share my story at least two times this week. Would you do me a favor and let me share my story with you? Now in two weeks, you're not going to be able to say that because we're done. So how do you get into it? How do you start your story? That's what we're going to talk about now. So go to page three. Openings to share your testimony. Number one. Listen for people sharing experiences like yours. Listen for people uh, sharing experiences like yours. Here are some examples losing a job, moving, having aging parents, illness, death, military, addiction, divorce, uh, rebellious teens. Listen. For what people are saying and listen for an experience that you identify with and use that as a segue into telling your story. For instance, um, a loss of job. If I hear someone talking about a loss of job, I can use that because I lost a job. I could say something like this You know, I, at, at a young time in, in our marriage, I was living with my in laws in a new job until we got on our feet. They ended up closing that office, and I found myself unemployed. And there's some stresses that go with that. I understand. I felt inadequate because I could not provide for my family. But someone invited me to a Bible study during that time of unemployment. And I learned about the promises of God and the faithfulness of God. And it was through knowing Him that way that carried us through a most difficult time in our life. Very simple, very short, and that that conversation can continue to go as you have time. But pointing to Jesus in our conversations. Number two, listen for people sharing emotions like yours. Now I would just say in this respect, you're not going to identify with every experience and every emotion of people around you. You're not going to identify with most, but you will identify with more than you ever have if you listen to what's going on in people's lives. So maybe you're listening for, for things like this. Well, I was depressed or I am depressed. I, I feel insecure. I'm afraid of tomorrow. I've been hurt or I am angry or I am lonely. And these, these emotions that come in and you can identify with one, man. I used to be an angry person too. When I was driving, it's like someone would flip a switch in my neck and I became a different person. And I was angry. I was angry at people all around me because they didn't know how to drive. I'm so thankful that someone pointed me to Scripture to understand that anger was losing control. And so I have a relationship with Jesus and I just went to Jesus and said, would you help me deal with my anger? Would you help me get rid of it? And he did. See, God is so good. Do you know Jesus that way? Can you go to him for your anger? And see how we just, we just hand it back to him. This is what God did for me. He can do it for you too. Number three, look for opportunities in current events. We talk about current events that's one of our safe places. Things that are going on around us, things that we read in the newspaper, that's a topic of conversation. Uh, this weekend, you would, you would hear of the war in, in Israel right now. Uh, Israel against Hamas, and the, the attack against Israel. And that will probably be a topic of conversation. At the end of the service, we're going to pray together for, for Israel in this time. praying for the hearts of Hamas also to be changed. But a war example, because with war comes uncertainty. We don't know how that plays out in the world. We don't, we don't know how it, the ripple effect will come into our country, in Alabama even. And just talking about the war, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty that surrounds war. I'm so thankful that someone pointed me to the one certain thing in life. And his name is Jesus. When I surrendered my heart to him, I don't worry about things like this in the news anymore. Do you know Jesus that way? Very simply, turning back someone to the Lord. And you might be sitting here thinking this morning, Steve, it sounds like you're wanting us to just go around listening to people for opportunities to share our story as we go about our daily lives, everywhere we go. And I would say, yeah. Absolutely. Why? Because that's the directive that God gave his children as we live here on this earth, as we go, as we go to school, as we go to the store, as we go to play golf, as we go to watch the game, as we go down the road, as we go to work. All of these things as we go to the salon, be my witnesses, make disciples. So we're, we must be listening for the opportunities to identify and then share what God has done in our lives. Number four, make leading statements. Now, this, this could be misinterpreted. I'm, I'm not saying to be fake. And I'm not saying to try to manipulate a situation, but what is one thing every one of us talk about, whether it's a friend or a stranger, especially this weekend. We walk outside and we say something like, how about that weather? A little chilly at night, I sure do enjoy the weather. Why don't we just redeem that? Who gave us this weather? It sure is a great day that God has given us today. It's not that I'm trying to be manipulative. I'm not trying to fake being spiritual, but what I am doing is trying to flavor my conversation with God who's done so much for me, who saved me from eternal hell. I just want to point people to Him. It might be at the beach. The sunset, the sunrise, the flowers, the mountains. Look what God gave us. Isn't it incredible? You see some kids playing around? Look what God gave us. What a joy to have them in our lives. We must have a conscious thought. And I know that this is... This is taking a step deeper than we normally live. But a conscious thought that every person that we see, number one, will die. Number two, we'll spend eternity in heaven or in hell. Every person that we see, every person that we know, every person that we love, one or the other. And we should do everything that we can to point them to heaven. That's our role while we're here. That should be on the forefront of our mind. I want to give you a free one. This is number five. If you want to just write it down at the bottom of your page. Number five. Much like the, the uh, phrase that we've used during training... If you're just having a difficult time saying, I just, I'm not hearing the experiences. I'm not hearing emotions. I'm not, I'm not making a good segue. I'm just not wired to hear it that way. Here's, here's one for you. You know, some time ago we did training in church and I made a commitment at that time that I would, I would share my story with at least two people every week. Would you do me a favor and let me tell you mine? So we're not still doing the training, but here's a commitment that I did make and I'm trying to keep it. Would you do me a favor and let me share my story with you? Turn to page four. It all sounds simple. We're going to have our minds on heaven. We want to point people toward heaven, but overwhelmingly, every person we encounter does not have eternity on their mind. They're thinking about How am I going to get through this day? How am I going to pay the bill this week? What am I going to do with my aging parents? How am I going to care for them? What do I do with my team? How am I going to make it past the test, students? That's what they're thinking about. In John chapter 4, you'll remember this story probably. Jesus was traveling into Samaria, and he was weary, and he sat down beside the well. He sent his disciples on into town to get supplies. And as he sat there in the middle of the day, a woman came up to the well for water. Now, we know the history just because of the text. She's had five failed marriages, and she's currently living with someone that's not her husband. When she encounters the living God at the well, we notice what he does not do. He does not say, you are a sinner and you're going to hell unless you change. He did not approach her that way, did he? He connected. She came for water. What did he ask for? Give me a drink. And then he segued into this drink of water to eternal water. And then he segued from eternal water into the Messiah. And then he segued from the Messiah into you need forgiveness of your sins. That's what we're doing. We're looking for opportunities to strike a chord with someone in their experiences or their emotions, their circumstances today that we've walked through and we meet them there. And then we point them to the cross. That's all we're doing. We take so much weight and responsibility on ourselves thinking that we're supposed to be saving them. And we've already looked at scripture that says you are not to be saving. God is the one who saves. We are to be faithful in scattering the seeds of the gospel wherever we go. As we look at uh, three tips on witnessing. Number one, this is on page four. It's different sharing your testimony in one-time meetings than with regular friends and acquaintances. Maybe you're standing in an elevator. You don't know if you'll see this person ever again. You know you have a short window of time to speak to them. What do you want to say? What do you want to convey to them? You don't want to be pushy. You don't want to push them away. But you want to share enough that they have enough to be saved if God is working in their hearts. And I would say that beyond the the gospel, do you know Jesus? I'll tell you, Jesus saved my life when I was nine years old and things have not been the same. Do you know him that way? Just a simple opening. But if you have time to continue telling your story, you can go to how you grew up and what's happened since then. But that's far different than if you have a friend or acquaintance or relative. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. This first example can be used whether you're a student or whether you are a neighbor or you're working somewhere. And it would start something like this. This would be a student. And you can see how this would apply in, in every situation. Start out something like this. Hey, Todd, you and I have been going to school now for 10 years. We've played ball together. We've run track together. We've wrestled together. And you may or may not know this, but I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I follow him. And I never told you about my life with him. Would you forgive me for that? Well, you know, everyone, everyone will forgive you for that. But here's what happens. You start that day with a clean slate. It's brand new. And now you can share as God would lead you. Not necessarily that day. It might be the next week or the next month. It might be little bits at a time as you continue in your relationship together. This was probably more appropriate. This would be more applicable to my life uh, in the military. You've been in a place, perhaps a workplace, and you've not been living for God. What I mean by that is you've participated in the water cooler stories. You've told the same jokes that everyone else is telling. You laugh right along with them. You're doing the practices that are underhanded in, in work just like everyone else does. You're not living for God There. And you might go up to your coworker and say, would you forgive me for something? And that opens up the conversation. You may or may not know this, but I surrender my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, believing that He died for my sins, that He was buried and He was raised again on the third day. And He has changed my life. But I've not lived that in front of you. Would you forgive me for that? And you begin that day with a new slate, clean. And you lead however God would have you lead and share with them over time. We want to develop a mindset, a culture, a DNA for sharing our story. It should be as natural as talking about the weather or the game this weekend or the big news that's being uh, pursued or, or shared throughout the internet. Number two, expect <clears throat> expect mixed results. Acts seventeen, thirty-two through thirty-four. I'm gonna ask y'all to read that out loud while I get a drink. <laughs> okay, begin. No. Now when they heard So we see in this one passage that there are different responses that happened. What what brought about the different responses? Speaking of the resurrection, well, that's the gospel. That's, That's the power of salvation. And the power of salvation will be offensive to some. It will intrigue others and it will cause others to surrender their lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, if it's true in the Bible, don't you think it'd be true in our lives as well? That when we share our story, that there will be mixed responses. Again, this goes to show us it's not about the results. We should not come back to, uh, together with our tail between our legs and say, well, I, I shared my story with five people and, and everyone walked away and there was no change in their lives. The success is that you shared. That's what we've been told to do. That's what we're commanded to do. We've been given the Holy Spirit so that we could do this. That's the success. The rest is what God does in the heart of that person. Number three, remember inviting people to church is good, but it is not going. Matthew 28, 19 begins, go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, therefore. Now, if we go to the Old Testament and the first chapters of the New Testament, we would see this methodology. Hey, come and see. Come and see what God is doing. Come and see this Jesus we believe is the Messiah. Come and see. But after Jesus, it's not inviting people to come and see. Jesus sent us out to go and tell. You see, church is for saved people. This is where we're equipped and we're encouraged to go out and make a difference in the world that he left us in. We're not told to go and invite, but it's a good thing to invite people, isn't it? Come come, worship with us. Be part of what, what we're doing. Be part of what God's doing. That's not bad. But don't allow that to replace sharing your story. I've walked these steps because it's a whole lot easier to say, Hey, Philip, do you go to church anywhere? Why don't you come to church with me? That's a whole lot easier than me sharing what God has done in my life and the mistakes I've made in my life. It's a whole lot easier to, to do that than to be personal. So we want to share with other people what, what has happened in our life that it's very personal, that they can relate to. And then they can come to church with us. But let's understand that it is going that God has called us to do. It is going that God has equipped us to do, to share the gospel with others. So this week... Finish your story if you haven't finished it already. And commit to to talk to two people this week. It can be your family. It can be on the phone with someone out of town. It can be someone at work or at school. But commit to tell your story to two people this week. And let's see what God does with that. I'm going to ask Ryan and... And Mike, to come up as we've come to a a point of of response. And I don't know how God might be responding to you. One thing that might happen is this. That as you had an opportunity to write your story, how you came to know Christ, the change that has been made in your life since you've come to know Christ, And you had difficulty putting something there. Like you really didn't have the story. And it bothers you that you didn't have something to write. Well, I want you to know that God wants you to be able to write something there. And if you find that you don't have a story, this might be the day that your story begins in him. What does it require? Well, we give up ourselves. Just as Riley showed us in the baptism waters. We die to ourselves. That means our passions, our desires, our plans. We lay them all down at the feet of Jesus and says, I now follow you. You're my boss. And if he's not your boss, if he's not your Lord, you do not have the promise that he's given as Lord. You don't have eternal life. And it's his desire that all will come to the knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ. And that's your invitation. If you don't have a story, would you just come forward this morning and say, I need Jesus. And let us help you. We'll we'll point you to the cross. We'll pray with you and we'll walk with you. Maybe you just want to pray for someone that you have shared your story with. And you want to pray for them that, that God would do a work in their lives. The altar will be open this morning. However God's leading you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and just overwhelmed by your goodness that you've extended to us, the grace that covers all my sin. It's removed as far as the east is from the west, and I am not deserving of that. But you chose to send your son to die on my behalf, to pay the price for my sins. Died, buried, three days later resurrected. And it's through his resurrection that he extends an invitation to each of us to be reconciled to God through him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Lord, we understand this morning there's nothing we can do Our attendance will not get us to heaven. Our money will not get us to heaven. Our good intentions will not get us to heaven, but it's only Jesus. I pray that if anyone is absent of that relationship today, that they will be compelled to come to you this morning. Have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all stand as we sing together.